Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. I was reminded of something that Dad Hagen wrote. And it's a statement that he made that the Holy Ghost kept holding in front of me. And it said this, when reverence and honor are restored. So meaning this, evidently something of it's been lost or it wouldn't be talking about being restored. When reverence and honor are restored, there will be a restoration and multiplication of the miraculous power of God. So know this, we're not waiting on God. (laughs) God is not delaying power and manifestations of that power. He's waiting on some things for us. And uh, how many of you know, know God is not slow on his side? If things are slow, he's waiting for us to step into our part. And so Dad Hagen said this, that when reverence and honor are restored. So the two words, restoration and multiplication, are affected by two other words, reverence and honor. Too many times we're, we're mindful of we want restoration. God restores some things. And God, we want some, uh, we want some multiplication of some things. But we need to emphasize two other words that determine those two words. And it's the reverence and honor. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 So the restoration has to come before the multiplication of, of miracle power can come. Amen. Greater flows call for greater reverence. We want greater flows, but it calls for something. So greater flows call for greater reverence, and greater reverence accesses greater flows. And we control reverence. (laughs) Too many times we're focused on what we don't control. We're focusing on God increasing his part, doing something on his part, and we're to focus on what we do control. Amen. So where does this restoration, if there's to be a restoration of reverence and honor, where does this need to take place? Well, I would say in three places, in the body of Christ at large, in every local church, but in the life of the individual believer. But have you noticed that if the individual believer increases with reverence and honor, they bring that increase to the local church, and then the church in turn brings it to the body of Christ. So this begins with the individual. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Amen. When when, uh, reverence and honor are in our lives, it will be evident in every arena, not just in specific arenas, but in Every arena, Um, spiritually, mentally, physically, materially, reverence and honor for God will be demonstrated through those arenas. How many of you know, spiritually, if we're going to be reverent toward God, how many of you know that we we guard our spirits? (laughs) We feed our spirits. What will cause it to grow? What about with mental, when we're reverent and honorable toward God mentally, what's that mean? We guard our thought life. We renew that mind. We, we take the thoughts of the word and we put on the thoughts of the new man. We take off the old man way of thinking. We put on the new man. It means we guard what we allow ourselves to think on. All of these things are part of the flow of reverence and honor. Yes, yes. Just because others don't know what we're thinking doesn't mean that God is blind to it. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. And then when we honor God physically with our bodies, what we spend our strength on, what we give our time to. Amen. And then what about materially, what we do with our resources? We can look at our own checkbook and look at our own 
financial reports and know what we honor. Yeah. Yeah. Because what we fund is what we're honoring. I remember, you've heard the testimony how God gave me Sister Amy Sylvia McPherson's uh, former vacation home. The, the community calls it Amy's Castle. And uh, he gave it to me paid for. And that's the first time I'd ever, we'd ever been able to buy a house paid for with cash. And God did that for us at a very heightened time. And uh, when it didn't look like it was made good financial sense, that's when God starts directing you into the impossible. He waits until there's recessions and all these kinds of things so that everybody knows you didn't do that. <laughs> And uh, I said to God after he gave me the home, I said, because it wasn't for sale, he moved upon those who owned it and uh, they agreed to sell it to me. And I said, after, I said to God after I bought it, I said, I'm so thankful that when you saw this home, you thought of me. Because others tried to buy it. Even those who had been part of its restoration process tried to buy it, and the owners wouldn't sell it to them. Those who were on the board of the, the place that owned it tried to, tried to buy it, and they wouldn't sell it to them. And they sold it to me without knowing me personally. They knew of, a, a, they knew of us and of our ministry, but they didn't know me personally. And I said to God, God, that's only you. People with more money, more resources. There are movie actors that came down. Neighbors saw them. People you would know by name. I'm talking about A-list movie actors that came and tried to buy it, and they wouldn't sell it to them. Because money couldn't have it, but favor could. When, when the favor of God is on you, it's not a money issue. And those who had the money didn't have the favor. And so I said to God, God, I so appreciate that with this home you thought of me. And he answered me, and I really, I wasn't really expecting a reply. I was just telling him, thank you. And he replied to me, and he said, because of your honor for those faith pioneers of the past, what you honor you get to participate in. That's key. What you honor, you get to participate in. So the flip side of that is what you don't honor, you don't get to participate in. So honor opens a door. Reverence opens a door into things that God is doing. Now, how many of you know men won't necessarily open that door? Because they're not really moved by those, those things. But they're key to heaven. Reverence and honor is key to heaven. That those things must be in place if someone is going to progress further. Reverence and honor in someone's personal life can rescue a nation. I don't know if you've ever studied or watched anything about John Wesley. His name was familiar to me because I was raised in the Methodist church. He was not trying to start a Methodist denomination, but uh, his ministry developed, grew, and unfolded, and over time it became known as the Methodist denomination. But he came on the scene, he was born, I believe, in 1703, and he lived 87 years. And through that time, it was a process before he came to understand salvation through faith. Because by the, up to that time, it was all works. And so he came into the light of salvation by faith. And he, he began preaching the Anglican Church was the state church, supposedly, of, that, of England during that time. And he was kicked out of the pulpits because he was preaching salvation by faith. 
and they kicked him out. And that was the best thing they could have done for him because it sent him all over, all over. And over his lifetime, hundreds and hundreds of ministers were raised up and trained by him. And it is recorded that if you ever study anything, that he rescued England through his ministry. Because he honored and reverenced God in a day where the morality of his country had sank so low that it was in, in danger of going the path of France with all the bloody revolutions that Wesley's ministry stopped England from going that direction because that's the way they were headed. And they had sunk so low, the crime was so low, and the, the, um, the corruption in government and the, the lifestyle and children were so uh, orphaned and living on the streets and uh, alcoholism was rampant in every, virtually every home you went into. There was no, there, they had, there was such corruption, there was no hope for the nation. Yeah, yeah. But one man reverenced oh. God yeah. and honored God. And he, and God empowered yes. through that flow of honor and reverence so that he could train up and reach these men. And it's, it's recorded. He changed the nation, the entire direction of revival came to the nation. And it's all because he reverenced and honored God. His keynote scripture was this, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. What was he saying? It's not, yes, be born again. But once you're born again, it matters how you live. It matters how you live. And this flow of honor and reverence feeds into that it's not us becoming casual toward our salvation, but reverent toward it so that it manifests in our lifestyle. That we live saved. That our lifestyle represents this new life and this new creature that we have been made to be. And anything that isn't reverence and honor does not represent the new creature in Christ. Because the new creature can only be represented through reverence and honor. The new creature in Christ cannot be displayed appropriately without being reverent and being honorable. Amen. Amen. So... Don't look at the way something is going and say it's hopeless. No, because when one person gets in a flow that God can bless and quits trying to, if I could say this, take the world, take its cues from the world and just, I want to read, I, Pastor Michael Lakedic, I don't know if he's watching, but is he watching? Okay. Pastor, good to see. Good, good. You can see me. I can't see you, but good, you can see me. He pastors in Fredonia, New York, and he's a dear friend of ours. And he came to our church several years ago and preached on this. And I took note of this, so this is the last time he will ever be credited with this, because from now on, it's God said to me. And I wanted to make some of the statements that he made. He said, the law of honor and reverence is seen in the scripture. Look at that, the law of honor and reverence. is seen in the scripture when God says, those that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Honor means to be heavy, to be weighty. When, you're, when, you, um, when you bring your speech into a flow of reverence and honor, there's weight to what, the words. They carry something with them. The weightiness of that anointing that comes through this flow of honor and reverence. So honor means to be heavier, weighty, and to have high regard for to treat as important, to give priority to. Honor is to put something first, 
To honor the Lord is to put him first. Uh, I, I like this, what he said that to give priority to or to treat as something as important. This is kind of a funny story, but when Grant, uh, I have two sons, Stephen and Grant. Stephen, stand up. No, people don't always get to see you in the meetings. Turn around, turn around, let them see you. This is my oldest son, Stephen. And he's married to Morgan, who you saw up here. And then Grant, you saw singing. And what, wait a minute, my grandbabies are here. Stand up. Stand, is it okay, Pastor, if they stand on the seat so they can be seen? Get up on the chair so people can see the little chorties. Okay, Bear, get up on the chair. Okay, turn around, turn around, let people see my grandbabies. And then you saw Grant up here singing, but when Grant was little, I, I always, mamas, you, you remember the day you held the clippers on the heads of the kids because it was just easier to shave them at home than take them out. You had so much to do, it's like, I'm not taking you to a, a hair salon, I got too much to do. So my kids, their head got shaved, you know? But, I, and I, I would do it. And Grant was, Stephen didn't really care. You could just do anything to him. Uh, but Grant was quite particular. And he wanted his hair a certain way. And I was trying to get him, we would do it short on the side, but he liked it longer on top. And I thought, oh, it's so much more trouble. You know, I got to comb it more. <laughs> And so I kept trying to talk him in, why don't we just shave it, just shave it, you know? Then you don't have, no, mama, I ain't, and he was like three, you know? No, mama, no, mama, I don't want it, I don't want it short, I want it long, I want it long. And I said, oh, okay. And I kept trying to talk him into it, and I never could talk him into it. So one day we were in the midst of working on getting a book uh, printed. We were putting it together. I was writing it and editing, and I had several staff members over the house. We had a hard deadline, and it was right. But it was right around the new year. I had to go out and I had to run errands. So there was staff at the house, and I left Grant at home with them. And when I came back, some of the staff came out and met me with him at the driveway. That's always a good sign, right? <laughs> They don't wait for you to come in the house. Right. They, and it wasn't their fault, but I think they felt like they're going to get in you know, trouble or something. But they, there used to be a product. I don't know if they still have it, but it's GAC. It's slime. Yeah. Slime. Yeah. Is that what they call it now? But back then they called it GAC. And it was green. <laughs> Fluorescent green. <laughs> And he had put it on top of his head and just smashed it in like it's, you know, shampoo or something and just ran it all through his hair. And you could not do anything with it. I couldn't get it out. I tried, they said, Pastor, we tried to wash it. We put oil on his hair. We put everything on his hair to get it out and it's not releasing. And we can't get it out. And I said, well, looks like we'll have to shave it. <laughs> I saw my golden opportunity. <laughs> and so I go, I go to, I just start cutting the length out to try to get it out and hoping that it will slip out because now it's short. It didn't and now it's just chunked. It's just chunked. And I can't get the shaver through it. And now it's just chunked. It looks horrible. <laughs> and so he, um, oh, and so one of the staff members came in and they, they actually said this to me right before I started cutting his hair. They said, Pastor, I remember when I was little and I got gum in my hair and mother got it out with peanut butter. I said, no, <laughs> if oil won't work, peanut butter won't work. So when I had chunked up his hair and he looked horrific and I, it, I, I thought, all right, bring a peanut butter. <laughs> But I'd already chunked up his hair. And the moment I put that peanut butter in his hair, that stuff released. And I go, uh-oh. Hey, <laughs> mate, should have tried that before I chunked him. Too late now. So I got it all out. I got it all out with that peanut butter. And then I shampooed it. And then I just got the shaver and we just went over it. And we got rid of it. And that little guy stood there 
the whole time I'm doing it, I'm not just talking about wimpy crying. I'm just talking crocodile tears. He is just crying and just, he is, he's, it was important to him. And I said, buck up, you know, <laughs> what's the big deal? Tear, it grows back. I mean, how many times have us ladies walked out of the salon and said, oh, it'll grow back. Not because our hairdresser's bad, but because we, we picked a style, maybe we I'll go, oh, that, how come when I got her hairstyle, I didn't get her face? <laughs> right? That's the disappointment of it. I want to look like that. <laughs> so I just said, buck up. It's hair. It grows back. No big deal. Get over it. It's your fault. You put the slime in it, you know. And he's just, I mean, he's just crying. He's heaving, crying. And so we walk out of the bathroom and I'm walking down the hall and God said, I want to talk to you. And I said, all right. I thought he's going to congratulate me or something. (laughs) And he said something that day that changed me in every arena. He said it was important to him that his hair not be cut. Because it was important to him, it was important to me. And I don't appreciate that what was important to me wasn't important to you. And I saw that it is my job to make what is important to others and make what is important to God important to me, whether it is naturally or not. I choose to make it important. And this is the flow of reverence and honor is that you see what's important to God and whether it seems important to you or not, you make it important to you on purpose. That will bring heaven on earth in your marriage too. I don't like that. Why are you going to do that? If it's important to them and you're going to honor those in your home, you learn what's important to them and you make it important to you. Not because it it originated with you, But because even if it originated with someone else, that's what honor does. It makes what's important to God important to you. Amen. Amen. And he goes on, Pastor Lakedic goes on and he makes these statements. Reverence means high respect and honor. It's an attitude of worship. The more we honor and revere God, the more he will honor us. This law will work for you, but it will also work against you. To despise something is to not treat something as important as it should be treated, not giving it enough honor to show lightness or to be trivial. Dad Hagen has a sermon, a mini book, and... He talked in there about five things that will keep someone from developing spiritually. One of them was lightness and looseness in their, congreg- in their conversation. That you can hold yourself in a state of carnality just by everything getting the last word. Everything being said for effect. Because when honor gets in your mouth... It puts weightiness in your words. To despise something, because it says that, that if they that despise me will be lightly esteemed, to despise something is to not treat something as important. Not giving it honor to show lightness or to be trivial. Eli the prophet loved God, but he did not honor him. You can love God, but still fail to honor him. There are Christians who love God, but still don't come to church. And it's an honor issue. Some love God, but they still don't tithe. They love him, but they don't honor him. 
when they treat God lightly, God will treat them lightly. Why is that? Because what you sow, you reap. People who treat God lightly don't have miracles happen for them. In Jesus' hometown, Pastor preached about it this morning. Jesus could not work miracles because they didn't honor him. It's impossible. He tried. He wanted to. He intended to. But their lack of honor said no to miracle power. The more we honor and reverence God, the more miracles we will have. Ah, homework right there. Homework. Start paying attention to the development of reverence and honor in our daily life. Not just when we come to church. Honor is not a thing of moments. Moments of honor. It's a flow. It's a lifestyle. Dad Hagen talked about in his marriage... He said, uh, I always put my wife first. He talked about when he would make her eggs or something in the morning, he'd make them both eggs. He says, I gave her the one that looked better. What was that? He made every action depicted that he honored. When you do that, miracles are easy for you. Why? Because honor and reverence positions us in the flow of the miraculous. Amen. In your services, in church services, and in your lives, imagine Jesus as being present right there. And it will move you into another level of honor and reverence. One pastor was talking about how he was... In a, in a service, and he said, in the service, he saw Jesus walk in. And as he was, the, the pastor was preaching, Jesus was walking up and down the aisles. And he was looking at what the people were doing during the service. Some were taking notes. Some were thumbing through their purse, whatever. He was... Walking and he was looking at what they were doing in the service. Why? Because what they're doing. And after, while this was going on, afterwards, Jesus said, the pastor said to Jesus, what is it that you're doing? And he says, I'm looking to see if the people are ready to go into the next thing I have for them. What was he checking to see what they were doing in his presence, in that service? What were you doing? What was it? He's checking their honor. Are you playing tic-tac-toe? Are you playing Scrabble? Are you posting something on Instagram? I don't believe all the thumbing I see going on phones note-taking. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. And I don't care if you act like you're, mm-hmm, look up and look a little engaged and then you go back. Mm-mm. These are the kinds of things that when miracle power and miracle flow is needed, will interrupt that. Praise the Lord. Jesus was walking up and down the aisle to see what they were doing while his word was going forth. What was it? How they were treating the word. How they were treating the man. The pastor. Amen. Amen. Nothing. In your your services and in your life, as I said, imagine that Jesus is present. He's watching you. Because he sees. Nothing or no one is as important as God in our lives. Nothing. And serving him. Anything tied to God and anything that is His, treat it differently. Treat it with respect and honor. Pastor Lachetic makes this statement I like. He said, inconvenience and sacrifice is the mark of honor. Yes. 
Those who honor him put their convenience aside. Many will only serve God to the level of their convenience. God and his things are to be the heaviest on the scale compared to anything else. How you're treating God's man is how you're treating God. How you honor your pastor is how you will receive from him. People are too busy to spend a proper time with God. If necessary, get up earlier to spend time with God before you do other duties of the day. That's called honoring Him with your time. You can love God and never seek Him. But God rewards those who diligently seek Him. Amen. Um, Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words uses the phrase with reverence, reverential fear of God, which is a wholesome dread of displeasing God. (laughs) The reverential fear will inspire a constant carefulness in how you deal with the things of God and other people. Our reverence for God means we won't want to mishandle other people for fear of displeasing God. My mother would say this. She said, you'll always have problems with your kids when they're not afraid of you. She didn't mean afraid of a beating. She didn't mean afraid of abuse. She meant if they don't respect you, you'll always have problems with your kids. My mother taught us, I'm not your friend. I'm not here to be your friend. I don't care whether you like me or not. I'm going to train you. I'm going to raise you to do as you ought. And I don't care how unhappy you get with me. She said, I love you enough to let you hate me. What's that mean? She, too many are, are, are trying to be buddies and trying to be liked by their children. Why? Because they don't have a reverence, fear for their parent. And the parent is trying to slip in on the good side just by being a buddy. They can get a friend anywhere. They can't get a parent but, but with me. I'm the only parent. You can get a buddy, a friend anywhere. Don't lump me in with them. I'm more than a friend. And mother said, you'll always have problems with your kids if they're not afraid to disobey you. That's what she meant. If they're afraid to disobey you, she says, you won't have problems with your kids. And I tell you what, mother put reverential fear in us. She started early with us. And because of that, by the time I was three or four years old, we could go into a store. And if I started to go down the aisle that I wasn't supposed to go down, mother could snap her fingers, raise her finger, and every, all four kids fell in line. Why? Reverential fear. It held us in a place of safety. Reverential fear. Reverential fear will keep you from playing with things that will take you off course. And this is why people can't receive miracles because they're playing with things that are off the course of reverence and honor. And then they want miracles over there. Can't, Can't happen. Miracles are in the flow of reverence and honor. Praise the Lord. I don't believe in abuse, but I do believe in Bible discipline. And I've never had to pull my kids out of the bars, the drug joints. Never had to. Why? Because they were going to have a, a reverence for the household. And for me as the parent and for Ed as their dad, they were going to have it. It's not optional. You're going to have it. If you're going to be in this house, it's going to live with you. And I knew that when I would call him in the next six months and his hands start shaking, I'd say, that's that's the safest, that's the way I can keep him the safest right there. Amen. Amen. And the Holy Ghost will lead you on every single instance 
in every single way of how to put reverential fear in proper place. And it's for your own advancement. Our reverence is seen through our obedience. The greater we reverence God, the more prompt our obedience. Uh, King Saul, God made him king. But he had to also remove him from being king. Because he lost reverence for God and disqualified himself from the throne. And God replaced him with David. Reverence would have held him occupying and never losing what God entrusted to him. The more we honor and reverence God, the more accurate we will live within what he's entrusted to us. Amen. The prophet Eli, you remember that there was a little boy named Samuel dropped off by Hannah to take care. She committed him to God. And she took him to the temple to where he served as a young boy. And he was there serving the prophet. And in the middle of the night, God spoke to him and basically said, I'm going to bring to pass what I said about Eli because he did not obey me in correcting and training his sons. His sons were in line for the priesthood. They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They were responsible to minister to the Lord as priests, and he didn't train them right. And they they had no regard for the offerings that the people, as priests, they were to receive offerings of the people and offer them to God, and they would take the best for themselves, and they they would dishonor the offerings of the people. And so God began dealing with Eli and dealt with him about correct your sons, and he wouldn't correct his sons. He would not instill back into them a reverence. And because he would not correct his sons, he disqualified himself. And God replaced the prophet, Eli. Eli died the day that God's people went into battle. And his sons were carrying the Ark of the Covenant into battle because that was the presence of the Lord. And their victory was sure when the presence of God was with them. And they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, but they had no honor. And the Philistines captured the Ark from them. Word was sent back to the prophet Eli that the Ark of the Covenant has been lost to the Philistines. And the news of it shocked him so bad he fell off his throne and broke his neck because he was so weighty. Had so much weight because he would just sit and, yeah. and eat and eat, eat of, the, yeah. of the sacrifices of the people. And he lost his life that day. He lost his place that day. He lost his sons that day because reverence and honor was not guarded in his household. God's people lost the battle that day. It affected a nation because one man did not instill honor and reverence in his household. I'm going to tell you, it is your privilege as a parent to instill it in your household and to demand it of those of the household. I was driving up one day to the um, offices years and years ago, and there was a particular man on staff, and he was easy to work with. I enjoyed working with him. Did a good job at his position. And I drove up to the offices, and as I was driving into my parking place, and before I even put my car in park, the word of the Lord came to me and said, when you get into the offices, fire such and such. Called his name. And I was shocked. I was stunned, and I said, God, I need him. He's a good employee. He does a good job in that. He's easy to work with, a joy to work with. Why fire him? And he said his wife speaks against congregation members and against leadership, and he won't tell her to stop. 
See, him not correcting those under his authority made him not fit to occupy what God once allowed him to occupy. I didn't know that that was going on, but God knew it was going on. And because he was no doubt thinking he was keeping peace by not addressing it. The flow of dishonor is never going to arrive you at peace. It's a false peace. If just because someone gets real opinionated and vocal doesn't make them more right. And some lay down because they don't want to take on the approach of someone who's opinionated and vocal in it. And they're trying to keep peace. That's a false peace. And the longer that stays, the greater the damage of that. So I went in and I, I didn't tell him the whole thing. Why? Because I'm being gracious. Doesn't do any good now. God's already dismissed him. So I said to him, I said, brother, all I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to tell you what God said to me. God said to me that you need to, you know, not be in this position any longer. And God said that. He said, well, pastor, I trust you if, if you feel like. And I said, yeah, that's what God said to me. And I said, it won't bless you to stay where God says for you not to be. And he said, well, you're my pastor. He said, I love this church. And he said, pastor, I'm not leaving. He never showed back up again. Why? Because he went home. He intended to come back, but he never did because of what went, was said at home. And, uh, 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 of course, they never showed back up, but in a short time, he's divorced away from his children. Why? Because he would not enforce reverence and honor. Those who honor me, I'll honor those who despise me, I'll lightly esteem. It's a law. It's a law. Praise the Lord. Don't you love the word? Thank you, Pastor Dennis, for preaching a rip-roaring, shouting sermon this morning. <laughs> Reverence for God keeps you safe. Keeps your family safe. I remember growing up, some parents need to tell their kids, you need to stop what you're doing. Stop saying anything you want to say and embellishing and exaggerating and dramatizing just so you can have a platform that makes you look center stage. I remember getting in the car when I was in junior high because mother would pick us up if the, if the weather was bad. Otherwise, we walked. And uh, I remember one particular time I got in, I said something. I don't remember if it was about a friend or something. And mother said, shut that up. That's a bad habit, complaining about somebody. Stop it. Amen. Amen. My mother would say it. I don't care how old you got. (laughs) I love what happened with my mother's great aunt. She lived down in Dallas. I remember we went to visit her when I was about 10 and she was, you know, around close to 90. And she had a a son that was grown and uh, he lived there in town. He was married and he would go to work every day, but he would come over for lunch and be with his mother. And that was his time to get to spend with his mother. She'd cook him lunch. And then he'd lay down and take about a 20-minute nap, and then he'd go back to work. And that was his habit every day. Well, one day she got a phone call, and it was her daughter-in-law that let her know that her son was having an affair. So she picked up the phone and answered it, and the daughter-in-law said, I just want you to know he's having an affair. And she said, I'll handle it. (laughs) He's in his 50s. She's around 80. I'll handle it. Why? She's going to enforce honor and reverence. 
She made him lunch. He ate. He went, laid down on the bed, fell asleep, and she got her a belt. (laughs) While he's asleep, she didn't fold it over and use the folded part. She got the buckle. You big boy, you're going to take it like, take it like a man. Be a man. Was that it? Be a man. <laughs> and he's laying there asleep and she takes care of business. Of course, he comes up just, she's just beating up. She's wailing on him. And he gets up, mom, 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 what's the matter? He says, she said, you're going in right now on my phone and you're calling little, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> And you're telling her, this is over. I know what you've been doing, da-da-da-da. And I tell you, he got up. He went to the phone and he called. (laughs) Why? Evidently, he just needed to be reminded. (laughs) Some need a refreshing, refreshment course. Summer school. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Why? It's a safety She said, I didn't raise you that way. You're not representing me that way. You're not doing that to your wife. You're not doing that to my grandchildren. You're not going to be that way. Well, he's 50 something. You can be stupid with any number around you. Numbers don't remove stupidity. (laughs) If you're going to be stupid... Reverence is obedience. When we obey him, we're showing our honor and our reverence for him. What is God dealing with you about? I guarantee you, every single one of you that are born again in this place, God is dealing with you about something. Why? Because none of us are all that. None of us. There's always something that needs to be worked on. Something. Why? Because he is working to bring us into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And as a kindness to us, he is always showing us how to mature and go further into that image of the one that is our example. And too many times we compare ourselves to such and such. But God's comparing us to the measure of the stature of Christ. And so he's always dealing with us about something. And when we act like he's not dealing with us about something, we've just stepped out of reverence and honor. Amen. To honor and reverence God, address what he's dealing with you about. Don't act like... He's not. I, I like it the way Dad Hagen's wording was one time. He said, don't presume upon the mercies of God. Meaning this, well, God will forgive me and keep doing wrong when you know he's dealing with you. Because you're presuming upon the mercies. Meaning you don't intend to get right. You just intend him to forgive you. Obey God in what he's dealing with you about. That obedience is a flow of our reverence and our honor. Amen. You know, I don't know about you, but as I sit in a service like this, I always think of, okay, I need to do this. I need to dress it. I need to do Okay. I know what God's dealing with me about. I know. Well, I don't know what he's doing. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't, don't, don't. You in church. You always know what's going on in, on the inside of you about that, right? And uh, just know this, right here you can say, Father, I repent of that. I repent of that. And the moment you repent, you can call yourself obedient. I love the story. I love the story that Dad Hagen was preaching one night. And he was talking about walking in love. And he said... If you hate your brother, and he read the passage, if you, hate the, if you hate your brother, 
then, you know, the love of God doesn't abide, abide in you and you're worse than a murderer. And, and, and Dad Hagen said, that applies to your mother-in-law too. <laughs> so they go over after the service to the pastor's house to eat dinner. And uh, the pastor's wife said, Brother Hagen, you, you got me confused. He says, no. I didn't get you confused. You were confused. What I preached showed that pure confusion. I didn't confuse you. He said, but what are you confused about? And she said, well, you said that, you know, if, if you hate your brother, you're worse than a murder. The life, of God, the life of God doesn't abide in you. The love of God doesn't abide in you. And she said, he said, well, what's your problem? She said, I hate my mother-in-law. He, and he said, I knew she didn't hate her mother-in-law. He said, she's just let her flesh dominate her. But her spirit doesn't hate. And he said, well, sister, God says if you hate your, if you hate your brother, you're, you're a murderer. The life of God doesn't abide in you. She said, oh, Brother Hagen, I know I'm born again. He said, no, sister. You know, and he said, I, I kind of you know, let her hang herself a little bit before I rescued her. And he said, what I want you to do is you look me straight in the eye. And when you do, you say to me, I hate my mother-in-law. And while you're saying those words, check on them what's going on down here. So she looked at him straight in the face and she said, I hate my mother-in-law. And he said, what's going on down here when you said those words? She said, something's scratching me. And she said, yeah, that's the love. He said, that's the love of God in you trying to constrain you. But you're not obeying that. See? How many of you know she got into a flow of dishonor? Yeah. Why? Because she wasn't obeying what was in here. She's yeah. overriding it. Yeah. Yeah. When you override your spirit, you'll get in the wrong flow. Yeah. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to override your spirit. It's dangerous to override what God's dealing with you about because he's trying to keep you safe. So he, uh, he said, sister, he said, See, your spirit doesn't hate the love of God and there's trying to constrain you. You just let your flesh dominate you. And she realized what she was doing. She said, well, what do I do? And he said, well, spend time with her. So he said the next time he came over to the house, she, uh, she was there and had the mother-in-law there. And she came up to that hanging. She says, I want you to know, he said, I've gotten to spend the time with her today and it's been delightful. I've loved her. I've enjoyed her. He said, see, you let your flesh dominate you and rob from you. The whole time. Yeah. Then, a uh, short time later, Dad Hagen is still there holding meetings for them. And they contacted him before the meeting one night. They had a son. The pastor and his wife had a son. Uh, he was young, I think younger than 10 years of age or something. And he was an epileptic. And the doctor said in 30-something years of practicing medicine, he had never seen an epileptic case as bad as this boy had. And uh, he would have one of these preliminary attacks before he would go in and into an epileptic seizure. And so before the service that night, they had contacted Brother Hagen if he could come over to the pastor's house and pray for the boy before going to church because he's having one of those preliminary attacks that he has before he goes into an epileptic seizure. So Brother Hagen says, yeah, I'll come over. So he's, as he's driving over there, he's checking his spirit how to minister. And when he does, the Spirit of God said, when you get there, tell her to turn to that boy and say, devil, you take your hands off my son. I'm walking in love now. And so he got there and he told her what God said. And the son was in the early stages of a seizure and she turned around immediately. And she said, Satan, you take your hands off his, off his body. I'm walking in love now. And just like that, he said, like you snapped your fingers, that seizure stopped. And she, he said, he asked her a time later, did he ever have another one? He said, one time he, he started to it and she turned around and said, no, you don't. I'm still walking in love. And the seizure stopped and said, never had another one. Never had another one. What was it? Her lack of reverence and honor for those that she was to walk in love with made her family open up to where they weren't safe anymore. 
Reverence and honor will keep your family safe. You can't just act any way you want and say anything you want and be any way you want when you belong to Him. Because the devil's going to make sure that you reap. And God doesn't want you to reap that kind of harvest. So He says, you know what the Word says? Honor all men. Why? Because in that flow of honor, the devil's, you're off limits to the devil. The devil can't do anything and he wants anytime he wants. Praise the Lord. So I said that story to say this. Now see, Brother Hagin said, now up to that time, she hadn't been walking in love. She had not even demonstrated any love for her mother-in-law when that happened. But the moment she made the decision to walk in love, God called her in love. He said she's walking in love. So I said that to say this. If you're sitting here tonight and anything you saw, you know what? I haven't been reverencing God in this way or with this arena or in this aspect of my life. The moment you confess that, he forgives you and cleanses you and you can call yourself in the, in the flow of honor right then. No, I'm in the honor flow now. I'm in the reverence flow now. Now I can receive my miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, are you helped tonight? When reverence and honor are restored, there will be a restoration and multiplication in the miraculous power of God. I love something that Pastor Dennis said this morning. He talked about Jesus went everywhere teaching, preaching, and healing. The power didn't flow until the teaching anointing and the preaching anointing flowed. It's one thing to just have a flow of God's power, but not tell us how we arrived at needing that flow. If we don't establish what brought us into the need for that, if we don't address that, We'll walk out of here and go back into the exact same situation. These are the kinds of things that we want to be aware of and told so that we can, fi- we can fix the root of the thing. Amen. Stand with me to your feet. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Those who honor you, you will honor. Father, how rich is the flow of your honor. When you honor, every arena is elevated. Every arena is blessed. Every arena is increased. You know, today's society is not going to instill honor in you. With every generation, honor diminishes and dishonor increases. It's when we come together as the body of Christ that we're going to hear some things like this. Don't take your cues from the world. They don't have a cue to follow. Amen. Father, we thank you that your word shows us. Your word tells us. The proper flow. The flow where miracles can be received. We thank you, Father. And Father, tonight, we judge ourselves. We value what you value. We value your word. We honor your word. We reverence your word. We value the body of Christ. We so love being a part of the body, and we love every part of the body. We love one another. We thank you. Father, we so, we're so grateful for our local churches. Thank you for our local church. Thank you that you've provided a place where we can come and we can receive of your anointing, of your word, of your spirit. We're so, so grateful. We choose to make important what's important to you. As your word says, seek first the kingdom of God. And all all these things shall be added unto you.
So, Father, we put first the flow of your kingdom. Being right with you. And things will be added to us just by honoring what's important to you. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We choose tonight. Say this after me. I consecrate myself to the flow of reverence, to the flow of honor in every arena of my life, spiritually, mentally, physically, materially, in every relationship that's in my life. Reverence and honor will have its place. I consecrate myself to that flow. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. When we um, become skillful in these things, it's amazing what will meet us. What did he say? These things will be added to us. Miracles will just be added. Healings just added, body parts just added, strength added, revelation added. Amen. Things will just start showing up in that flow. Amen. Well, you don't want to miss in the morning. The seagulls are always such a blessing when they come. We love having them. We love the message that they value. And uh, you don't want to miss tomorrow night. Every service is different when we have these. And so... uh, We don't want you to miss out on any of it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 10 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Turn to somebody before you're dismissed and say, say, I'm going to stay in the miracle flow. And you can be dismissed. God bless you. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.